Welcome to the Bible Vault, where we unpack the jewels of God's Word. I'm Jason. And I'm Katrina. And today we're continuing our series on who is Jesus by getting into the most famous scripture in all of Christianity, John 3.16. Just as a reminder, we're spending three episodes discussing, number one, the context behind John 3, which was actually last episode. So if you haven't listened to that one, pause this, go back and give that one a listen first. Number two, the meaning from the po- from this passage, which is this episode. And number three, an extra episode about what that means for us as Christians. So let's recap from last episode. Last time we read John 3, 1 through 21, and we learned that Nicodemus, a member of the Sanhedrin and Pharisees, came to Jesus in the night and started asking him questions. Jesus uh, offered the means towards salvation and offered quite a few words of wisdom that we're going to talk about today. What does Jesus mean when he discusses being born again? A widely recognized interpretation of this passage, which for those of you following along at home, begins in verse 3. And uh, the interpretation refers to baptism. Jesus says that one must be born of water and the Spirit to enter the kingdom of God. And this interpretation is backed up by the study Bible, which actually mentions that the preposition of in the Greek governs both the words water and spirit, signifying that the two belong together. These two come together in Christian baptism, water and the word. And uh, and Jesus has other instances in which he promotes baptism that we'll discuss in future episodes as well. Interestingly, the study Bible also mentions that the word translated again in the statement born again can also mean from above. So Jesus is saying that one must be born in a way that can only be done by God. Right. God's got to do the cleansing there. Uh, What about the part in verse 14 where it says, And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up. This comparison comes from a story that occurs in Numbers 21, 4 through 9. So for anybody out there that would like to look that up, you're more than welcome to. But the general story is serpents were biting and killing the people with their venom. So Moses made a bronze serpent and set it on a pole and then set it among the people so that anyone who was bit by a serpent could then look up at the bronze serpent and live. Jesus equates his story to the story of the bronze serpent, and it parallels perfectly. The serpents are like sin, which afflicts us and poisons us, and the Bible says that the result of sin is death. However, as Jesus says here, those who look to him or believe in him will live. And this directly leads to arguably the most well-known verse of the Bible. Yeah, and just as the serpent, the carrier of the venom, was lifted up, Christ, who carried the sins of the world upon him, was lifted up too. That brings us to John 3.16, which says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. This passage is so important to Christianity. In fact, Christianity hinges upon this statement. Can you tell us more about it? Yeah, I'd like to break this passage down statement by statement because there's a lot here. So, starting with, for God so loved, this statement tells us the why God did what he did. It's entirely out of love and for no other reason. 
It wasn't earned or anything. There's no catch. It's simply out of love. The world refers to all of us, every single one, and tells us who he did it for. And I really like how Luther discusses this. And uh, Luther actually said for this, Look at the words I beseech you to determine how and of whom he is speaking. No one here is excluded. God's Son was given for all. All should believe, and all who do believe should not perish, etc. Take hold of your own nose, I beseech you, to determine whether you are not a human being, that is, part of the world. And like any other man, you belong to the number of those comprised in the word all. And that, and so I really think that, that does a great job of emphasizing that God's referring to each and every one of us in this statement. Then next up is what God did. He gave his only son. We'll discuss this further in New Test in later New Testament books, but we're we are the adopted children of God. His only son, the only one who bears his very essence, as we discussed in the John chapter one podcast, is who he gave up for the world. Then we're left with the result. Whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. This statement also provides what we're to do. Believe. That's it. As the study Bible puts it, whoever believes in the Son of God, be it with a strong or a weak faith, may have eternal life. Worthiness does not depend on the greatness or smallness, the weakness or strength of faith. Instead, it depends on Christ's merit. And uh, I also really like the tenses that that are used here in uh, John 3.16. The first part is all in the past tense as a completed action. That's not to say that God doesn't love the world anymore. He does. It does point out, though, that what he did as a result of this love, gave his only son, was a one-time action not to be repeated. It doesn't need to be. And we're told that in the, as the second part switches to the present tense with the word believes. This promise still rings true for any and all believers, even as the result of the one sacrifice nearly 2,000 years ago. It was a complete, full, perfect sacrifice without end, that for two millennia and for however much longer we are to exist, any future readers will be able to read this statement in the present tense. It never changes. Believers will always be saved. Let's just let all of that sink in. To be extremely oversimplified, let me put it this way. God loves you. He sent his only son for you, for me, for everyone. Jesus was and is the complete, full, eternal sacrifice. You believe in him, and you're saved. That's it. Exactly. We're told, repent, be, be sorry for your actions, so that you don't end up back into the same actions. And then believe. It's really that simple. And I think it's something that we tend to want to overcomplicate. We, we have difficulties believing anything could really be that easy. But as we read here in this passage, it really is that easy. Yeah, I definitely had a hard time with grasping that concept when I was first stepping into Christianity. And once, once it finally got through, man, it was incredible. It's completely liberating. Absolutely. 
and I think that just about wraps it up for this episode. The next episode, our third of the series, is going to delve more into what John chapter 3 verses 1 to 21 mean for us as Christians. So we've already gotten the meaning of Jesus' words. Now we're going to delve more into what this setting, in addition to the words, actually means for our lives. So if you have any questions or comments, please be sure to head over to our Instagram page at the the Bible Vault Podcast and shoot us a message. We'd love to hear from you. We'd also love to hear your story and learn more about our listeners. So feel free to reach out at any time. Thank you for joining us today on the Bible Vault. God bless and we'll see you next time.